This is Chad Harrison, and you're listening to Hope Alive, applying God's word to your daily life. Hi, this is Chad Harrison, and I am the teaching pastor of Lake Community Church and have been serving as a pastor for 25 years. I'm also a practicing attorney. This podcast is designed to help you study God's word and find God's will for your life. I pray in the name of Jesus right now that God would open up his word to you and allow you to see him and to know him and to know his will, that you might glorify him and that you might walk in faith and power each and every day, especially today in Jesus name. Well, good morning. Welcome to Lake Community Church's morning Bible study in Genesis chapter nine. Plan on fin- finishing that out this morning with this story that not always do I have a really good, I just tell you the truth. I, I'm not, I'm, I can't tell you, and I don't think any scholar can tell you exactly what this means because sometimes the Bible and sometimes just reading ancient literature, phraseology has a meaning that has been lost in time. And understanding that phraseology and what exactly that might mean or what context it might actually have. Sorry, I got a new shirt this morning I'm wearing. The context that it might actually have is lost on us. And apparently what Ham did in this story was very bad. It was it was something that was very distasteful or disgusting or something that is something that was very shameful and uh and no one knew that it happened, and uh, he cursed him for it, or he did not give him the blessings of his other two brothers. And that had consequences not only for Ham, but it had consequences for Ham's generations to follow. The generations that that followed after Ham were under that issue that Ham brought about. And you say, that's not really fair. Really speaking, you're going to see that as we go through Scripture, especially when we get to Exodus and the Numbers, you're going to see that the sins of the father are passed to the second and third generation. That is an important understanding that uh, that what we do affects our children and our grandchildren and our great-grandchildren. We pass down those things that we uh, get ourselves involved in. They grow up with it. They grow up with the familiarity, familiar spirits. They grow up with the things that, that we uh, bring into their lives and uh, if we don't spend time teaching and if we don't if we don't spend time showing our children how to live and uh, walking in that and talking with them about the truth and talking with them about how things actually are and helping them deal with the situations that they're in life by thinking about them from a biblical and a, from a godly perspective if we don't do we doom them to have to deal with it on their own and oftentimes they'll seek out God and find it and they'll break those curses that are placed on them. And when I curse, I don't mean the voodoo type of curse. That's not the biblical understanding of curse. A curse from a scriptural understanding is a binding to be bound. It is the result of sin. Sin causes a curse. And what does that mean? It binds you from God's best. It binds you up and holds you back from being who you could be and should be and ought to be. It, uh, it keeps you from walking in the goodness and the best that God has for you. And a biblical understanding of the idea of a curse is the idea that I am uh, unable to be or to become what I should have been able to be and become because sin has bound me up or chained me up or held me back from being who I ought to be. And uh, when we live our lives in such a way <clears throat> that we pass on, 
the curses or the struggles or the sin nature, the sin difficulties that our parents have, then we pass it on down to the next generation. And the passages that talk about what we what people call generational sin or the, when I quote the verse of scripture that says that, that uh, the sins of the father pass to the second, third generation, when people talk about that, when they discuss that, when they think about that, they fail to realize that the next verse says, but the grace of God is unto a thousand generations, which means no sin and no uh, no curse, no no binding that limitation that sin brings about can't be broken, and it can be broken by the grace of God. But if you're bound by that, if you're held back by that sin nature, if some aspect of your family, that generational curse or some aspect of your raising or something that you've dealt with as a child, if it comes in the light of God's grace, it's bro- it can be broken. It can easily be broken. It can be destroyed. It can be it can be bound up away from you. It can actually be taken away by binding it away. But it has to be done under the grace of God and has to be sought out. So it says that in verse 20 that Noah began to be a farmer and he planted a vineyard. Then he drank of the wine and was drunk. So obviously it had alcohol in it. And it says, and he became uncovered in his tent. And this is where we're not sure exactly what that means. Now, remember, nakedness is sin, okay? Nakedness in Scripture is a picture of sin. Remember in the garden when they, the Lord God came in and they were hiding. And he said, why are you hiding? And they said, because we're, we're naked. And he said, who told you we're naked? That's a picture of they, them, them the, the realization that they're in sin. Their eyes are open and they know good and evil and they realize that they're evil now. That's that's where that idea comes from. And it says, so Noah, it says, then he drank of the wine and was drunk and he became uncovered in his tent. He was nude. Now it says, and Ham, the father of Canaan. And this is the second time this has been said because the Bible is trying to show you, the Bible is trying to point to you that Canaan went off and began to worship other gods, that that Canaan is the father of, if I'm not mistaken, Nimrod, and that that goes all the way back to his father Ham, who did what he did in this situation with Noah. It says, Ham, the father of Canaan, saw the nakedness of his father and told his two brothers outside. Now, for some reason, the nuance of this phraseology is beyond us. We're not, there's something that happened here that comes from this idea of seeing your father uncovered or this phrase that said he saw the nakedness of his father. Uh, something happened that was untoward or wrong. Something that, that phraseology is, like I said, is something that we don't quite understand scripturally. We don't know. It, it meant something more than what it looks like it meant. It, it, mean, it has a meaning that has been lost in history. And so we're not sure exactly, we're not sure exactly what that meant, but he did something perhaps in a sexual way, or perhaps that has to do with his mother and Noah, who were both drunk together and he saw his mother. Because remember, when two, two are married, they become one flesh. And so when God sees a married people, when he sees two people that are married, he doesn't treat them separately. He treats them together. He, God works through the covenant of marriage because that is a covenant relationship. And so 
that nakedness that we see here in, in Scripture could have something to do with both him, Noah, and his wife being naked, or he might have seen them having sexual relations, or he may have seen... I, it, we don't know what that means. We do not know what that means. And so there's something that happened there, and I wish I could tell you what it is. I'd love to know it because then I could understand maybe even more about about sin and things like that. But th at the time I live in, in the day we live in, we don't know what that means. Maybe something will be uncovered down the road where that's used in a way where we can figure out what that actually means. But apparently he did something that he shouldn't have done. And it says he saw the nakedness of his father and he told his two brothers, not only did he do something wrong, he went out and told his brothers who were not there when it happened. He told them what had happened. And what did they do? It says, but Shem and Japheth took a garment and that's the covering of sin. So in some way, Ham uh, saw sin. He was involved in that. He was looking at it. He did something that had something to do with his father's nakedness or sin. And his two brothers, what did they do? They did something that was full of grace. Notice that whole passage of the sins of the father passed to the second, third generation, which is the verse right before the Ten Commandments begin. And the grace, but the grace of God is unto a thousand generations. So notice Ham <clears throat> involves himself in some way in doing something that he shouldn't have been doing as far as his father, maybe his mother, and, and maybe perhaps something sexual. And he involved himself in it. But uh, Shem and Japheth, they don't. They take a garment, which is a picture of the covering of sin, and they put it over their shoulders and they back in meaning they don't want to have anything to do with seeing or being a part of that. They back in uh, and they, what do they do? They don't expose it. They cover it. They don't tell everyone. They fix the problem. And, and it could be just as simple as that. It could be just as simple as one person was into the sins of the, of his prior generation, or he's into is into telling and exposing sin, and the other two were in the business of covering sin through the grace of God. It could be very well just that. And if it is just that, then I was looking for something that wasn't there. But if it's not just, then it's obvious at least that what Ham and Japheth, what Shem and Japheth did was something that was graceful and good, something that was helpful and something that was a redemptive as far as their relationship with not only their father, but their mother. And it says, but Shem and Japheth took the garment and laid it upon their shoulders and went backward and covered the nakedness of their father. And their faces were turned away, which means they, they did not have a heart that turned towards sin. They had a heart that turned away from sin. Their countenance wasn't toward sinfulness. Their countenance was away from sinfulness and did not desire to be associated with that sinfulness. They did not see their father's nakedness. They did not engage in those things. They chose the better part of the generational curse passage, which is that the grace of God is unto a thousand generations. That's a pretty good, that, that's what you, that, if it's just as simple as that, that is a powerful message for us. And it could be just as simple as that, that they were, Shem and Japheth were the type of people who turned their faces towards sin and covered sin with God's grace. And Ham was the type of person to see it, 
to engage in it and to expose it to the world. And if that's the simpleness of it, it's not that simple. It's a powerful life lesson to learn that we should turn our hearts and our minds and our lives away from that which we know uh, destroys, that which we know kills, that which we know takes away life and doesn't provide life. We should turn our hearts and our minds away from those things and turn our hearts and minds to the grace of God, which covers all sin. It's able to it's able to take away all the sin. Jesus' redemptive work is powerful enough to atone for all the sin of the earth. Jesus died for the sin of the whole world. And so we should be the type of people who are actively involved in bringing about that kind of grace and that kind of mercy. It says their faces were turned away. They did not see their father's nakedness. And I wish I knew what that meant. I wish I did, but I don't. And, and I'm willing to own up to the things I don't know. Uh, because there are many things God's shown me, but not all things. And no, but no one knows all those things. It says, so Noah awoke from his wine and knew what his younger son had done to him. If he just looked at him and seen him, that doesn't seem to be something that Noah would have known when he woke up from being drunk. But like I said, I don't know. He says, then they said, then he said, cursed be Canaan. Notice there's the curse. There's the binding. Because looking at sin, exposing sin, talking about sin, involving yourself in it. And let me tell you something that is very important to not involve your heart and your mind in the sinfulness of this world. And that's not easy, boy, that's not easy, but it is very important. He said, it says he, he did it and he said, cursed be Cain and the servants, a servant of servants, he shall be to his brethren, which means that the generations to come are going to be cursed or they're going to be limited by him. And, and they're not going to become a great like Shem and Japheth's generations. And he said, blessed be the Lord, the God of Shem, and may Canaan be his servant. Notice, not just Ham, but Canaan and his generations to come after. That's powerful. And you need to understand that because a lot of people dearly care about their children and their grandchildren not growing up with the struggles of sin and death that, that they struggled with. The way you do that is you cover it with the grace of God and you allow God to make changes and you allow your children to see those great changes of the grace of God at work in your life. And they will know how to engage the grace of God and allow the grace of God to change their hearts and their minds. And it can be a powerful thing. Some people have involved themselves in all kinds of stuff and they've walk down a terrible path and they look around and they say, it's destroying my family and everything else. What I would say to you, if you're in that position, I'd say, grab hold of the grace of God, go get buckets full of it, pour it all over you, cover yourself up with the grace of God, fill yourself up with the spirit of God and allow that grace to change who you are and allow that to be seen changing who you are. And let me tell you, your children will do it better than you. They'll grab buckets of that grace and they'll chase after the grace of God better than you. Even if they're adult children, they'll look around and they'll say, you know what, I need to do that also. And they'll do it better than you have because they're, they've gone, they haven't gone down that path as far as you've gone. And they'll, they'll, that grace can extend down even to adult children and to adult grandchildren. If you'll grab hold of the grace of God right now and fill yourself up with it, if you'll seek out God's truth and God's blessing and allow that grace 
to be what it can be in your life. Uh, but if you don't do that, you're doomed. You're dooming yourself and you're dooming your children and your grandchildren to have to struggle with something that didn't necessarily have to be struggled with. The reality and truth lived out in a person's life and grace changing and giving hope to a person can change not only them, but the Bible says in the New Testament, it says many times the person was, was redeemed, was saved, was born again. And their whole household was born again. And the reason that is, is because God's grace is not limited. God's grace is abundantly more than we could ever imagine. He says, and he said, blessed be the Lord, the God of Shem. And uh, may, Canaan, may Canaan be his servant. May God enlarge Japheth. Notice, he's not limited by sin. He's not bound by sin, but he's enlarged. May God enlarge Japheth. And may he dwell in the tents of Shem. And may Canaan be his servant. Wow, that's powerful, isn't it, right there? And it says, and Noah lived after the flood 350 years. He had many more years of life and many more prosperity to live out because he was the man of faith who heard God and built the ark. Because he heard God, he received his message, he trusted in it, and he acted upon it. It says, so all the days of Noah were 950 years, and he died. Notice in every one of those things, it ends with, and he died. And you know what? It's not because it's, it's not because it's a bad thing. It's because it's a good thing. It's because the death of God's saints is sweet before him. And, and life well lived, a life lived full of faith is a powerful legacy, not only for the generations to come, but it's a powerful legacy for the eternity to follow for a believer. And a man who walks in God's grace and goodness will always experience that legacy. And that walk can begin at any time you hear the voice of God and that you turn to that voice and that you, you trust and believe in the message and the hope that he's giving you. As you go today, I pray that the Lord will bless you and keep you, that he'll make his face to shine upon you and that he will give you hope and peace today in Jesus' name.